Hello, everyone, and welcome to Talk Together. This is a show where we talk about dungeons and dragons, sometimes other things, but mostly dungeons and dragons. And here specifically today, we're going to be talking about a murderous symphony. Now, you may be thinking, hmm, usually with these uh, with these post-show chats, uh, we usually have the, the whole array of faces, all of the cast. Um, but due to wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey, and scheduling, and all sorts of changes, um, basically we, we couldn't get everyone together, unfortunately. Um, I don't know if you noticed watching the uh, the early episodes of the, of the campaign, we're all sat there in hoodies and jumpers and looking a bit cold, because we recorded this so long ago <laughs> at the start of the year. <laughs> so long ago, and now it is the end of summer, and it is boiling hot and josh and i are just like Ugh. i was about to say is it the end of summer it feels like it's just a bloody start no it's just no we are in september and it is sticky um so it's been it's been a while uh since we actually recorded these episodes uh because again when we first recorded them we were uh still thinking it would be a weekly thing rather than a fortnightly thing so we recorded it way before it even started coming out um so then, yeah, time and life happened. We've not been able to get everyone else together. So we thought we'd uh, we'd just do a little roundup chat with Josh. Maybe we'll chat about some other stuff as well. But uh, before we get stuck into that, I should say, that's Josh. Say hi, Josh. Hi, Josh. And I'm Nat. Hi, Nat. Hi, Nat. Hi. Hi. <laughs> but before we get started, the stream will run for about an hour. And uh, thank you very much to our sponsors and our supporters. We've got Hero Forge, Ultra Pro, Phoenix Dice, Alchemy RPG, our supporters, Idol Champions, Neverwinter, Eldor Academy, and D&D Beyond. Huge thank you to our D20 Club on Patreon. You're all wonderful, marvelous people. We, we, we heart you very much. Thank you. Um, and if you want to engage with us in a digital social media fashion, uh, look for Roll Together RPG across the socials. And if you want to listen to this instead of watch it on Twitter, or YouTube, you can look for Roll Together RPG and you will likely find us. Um, lovely. So, all that bump out the way. Murderous Symphony. Josh, you're so mean. I am. Oh, <laughs> I, I traumatise. The first two episodes were nice. Yeah, 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 sure. Lovely. Yeah, real real chill taking away mentors and, and showing uh, gory, gory murder scenes and, and things. Super, super chill. <laughs> I, I, I loved playing in this campaign. I think it was, uh, it was, a, it was a real fun time. Um, I, I do have the official, the, the D20 and the official questions, but I wanted to sort of um, start this with, because uh, this was... You've done you've done little bits and pieces for all together, but this is this your first one that first, you first DM first DM in on yes. roll together. Yes. So why uh, why why this? <laughs> it was, and I I don't know. I was just randomly okay. I was sitting at home, and I was watching a one of the newer trial. Uh, murder uh -huh. on the Nile. Great. I think it was. Uh, and, yes, that one, yes. And I thought, ooh, a, a um, murder investigation sounds quite cool. Something that you don't normally, don't always see in D&D &D necessarily. 
And then I thought, I did some research on, I'd spoken to Sean and said that it would be cool to, you know, a lot of, there was a lot of collaboration between Sean and myself because Sean's the only other person on the team currently who's done something in Neverwinter. Mm-hmm. And I thought, I know Neverwinter quite a lot because of Sean and because of the Neverwinter game. So I thought I would do that instead of something like Baldur's Gate or what's the other place, Waterdeep, because I don't know them very well. I do know Baldur's Gate quite a lot now because of a certain game that's come out recently. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> We're all getting a little bit more familiar with those streets. But um, so I did that. I spoke to Sean about it, said about, you know, what was Sean's plans for like the bloat and stuff after the events of at, at this store and see and seeds of defiance and then we sort of collaborated and came up with something together and i did a bit of research on the Gotham realms wiki page and found some stuff that i did not know about and thought this stuff is awesome i'm going to apply it to yeah and i double checked all the dm notes and everything as well to make sure that nobody touched on this nobody wants to have anybody's toes especially with it being my first time. So did all the research that I could, came up with the story, and this title was the last thing, because I'm terrible at titling things. <laughs> it was a, a perfectly appropriate title. Did what it said on the tin. There was murder and symphony. And yes. I'll be honest, I'm surprised that we didn't uh, latch onto the... I was re-watching the episodes before, before this. To, to remind myself because again it was so long ago and um, I think there's a moment where we go back to the Temple of Ogmar and we're speaking to Melnor and trying to like round up all the clues that we've got so far and <laughs> you as Melnor were like hmm how about that orchestra that we're playing huh have you thought about looking at the orchestra and when they're playing and when they're doing things and I was just sat there like I know this game is called a murderous symphony. Why was I not more suspicious? <laughs> Sometimes even the most obvious of things, like you can whack a player around the head with it and still. I'm I'm terrible at that. I never get the point of the story. <laughs> I never get it. Oh, so um great. So you, you wanted to like pull at some uh little bits of Forgotten Realms lore that you'd uh, you'd not seen before, which was very cool. I, I wanted to flag as well, you mentioned that we have um hidden so we have uh, a Wikipedia, we have a wiki page. Uh to and thank you to the, the D twenty club who helped set that up and um, and help update it and um and run that because it's uh it's become actually a really useful resource. For, for us as well oh, yes. as for you because we have this is the thing we one of the things that we I think that we do is really cool is we have lots of different DMs to, telling lots of different stories and it is really fun when those stories interlink and overlap and pick up threads that um, one DM put down but to manage that is almost impossible <laughs> so we have the wiki and we also have like various spreadsheets and documents um that we have in a in a communal drive that people can look at but the, the only problem there is like it's obviously it's also spoiler territory so the the downside of that is if you're dming and playing in games you might have to try to go through it with blinkers on or try and forget something you've seen um did you have any trouble with that i did a little bit the the good thing with the fact that I'd taken it to Neverwinter was the fact that Sean had pretty much finished the Neverwinter arc at the at, at the moment. I don't think he's got any plans to do 
anything else there yet? I'm not 100 sure. I have heard rumblings that there is plans for something that Sean wants to do, but I don't know what yet. But um, so that was a lot easier than say looking at Baldur's Gate or Waterdeep to see what's going on next. We'd recently had Huxley's Book Club set in Waterdeep, and then um nexus as well and a few others oh, really? sort of... Waterdeep, i think the thing the thing with Waterdeep in our world is that apart from things like um there was the one way back when that was set uh the mran that was set in the theater that one was specifically in Waterdeep. But there's been a lot of campaigns that have like started in Waterdeep and then gone somewhere else or yeah. just had like a little reference to it whereas we've not apart from the the giant statues being naked and there being um you know the the theatre, and oh, and also the the collection that um, what's his chops, sausage guy uh, runs, because uh, we had chaos in the collection that was in Waterdeep as well. But most of the camp, we'd not really done anything structurally to Waterdeep in the way that we had, like with Gloom Falls on Baldur's Gate or uh, all of Sean's stuff in Neverwinter. So I think Waterdeep is still relatively safe territory, actually. Yeah. Well, obviously, this would have finished by the time this is. So, we have established that there is uh, that Zarni's family do come from mm-hmm. Waterdeep. So, that's probably the only element of Waterdeep that we touched was Zarni's nightmare. So, yeah, which says a lot with the interlinking of characters and stuff from like the cameo that we had in episode two and all of that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I loved all the the little uh, little cameos and references. Sometimes they can be. A- <laughs> Again, I'll be honest, it took me a little while for the penny to drop. And it was when you started talking about Rex and Hero that I was like, oh, it's cool. But um, did you always know, like when Scarlet was making Miss Zana, did you both discuss like that you wanted Miss Zana to be Jakarta's cousin? Or did you want to throw that in as a little sneaky reference yourself? So Zana and Jakarth are both characters that Scarlet and myself have played in an offline game together. And they sort of adventured around with each other and all of that. And when it came to Scarlet wanting to play Miss Zana on in this, we said it, we sort of spoke about it and said, yeah, it'll be, would it be cool to have them as relatives? And then we came up with this whole thing of their cousins. Uh, her mum is sisters with Jakarth's mum who had passed away and sort of like all of that sort of stuff so yeah it was fun it was definitely fun to come up with that because it sort of gives as everybody knows i like to play characters that are linked to other characters so it's just given me another family tree to sort of <laughs> sponge off of now that i've sort of established <laughs> that there's only jakarth and garnot now. well i'm gonna lay down the law now josh you can never play miss zana's dad because he is awful yes he's um, horrible he's and not needs a nice to person. stay as an npc because uh, otherwise I don't think you'd be in that campaign very long before one of your colleagues murdered you. Yes, definitely. <laughs> Was it uh, Pixie said in the chat, like, he needs acquainting with the uh, the soggy fish of enlightenment. And I wholeheartedly agree. There might, we might have that come up as a comeuppance for him in a later thing if he appears, maybe? Maybe, maybe. Slapped with a fish. That's what we all want to see. I mean, his son, <laughs> Zana's brother, does run a rather prolific uh, sea trading business, merchant, sea merchant mm-hmm, business, mm-hmm. so maybe he could walk up to a den and slap on the fish. Maybe I could play the brother. Maybe you could play the brother. He also sounds a little bit pretentious as well, though, so... Yeah. 
I, I can never. I don't think I could do pretentious. I, I over, I, I overplayed like ass hat characters that then sort of swerve into party dad, or I play really nice characters that are already party dad. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's a strong theme theme yeah. there. Not um, intentional. <laughs> Although, uh, speaking of Party Dad, I'm going to use that as a segue into talking about the other players because they're not here and they can't defend themselves against just saying nice things about them. So, yeah, the um, uh, Party Dad, obviously, this time around was uh, Nal playing Amun Ra, Ra, yes. which was fantastic because he was also like the closest thing to a villain that we had in the team, <laughs> which was great. Um, was like on the edge. Yeah. Big scary dump here. Also, I'm just here with a really great deadpan sense of humor. And I'm just like looking after everyone and like, why are you doing that? Don't do that. That's silly. Come here. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And then, so what I think Zana would be, would class as the crazy, not the crazy aunt, but like the bubbly aunt. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Rody, the bubbly uncle. Yeah. I, I feel like I, I, I have a certain imagery of Mizana who would she I think she would at times definitely be a wine aunt. Like she would be the one that's like super into her machines and but if if you were out socializing, she'll be the one that's just like go on, just add the glass. Treat yourself. Definitely, hundred <laughs> percent. Oh yes. Definitely the social um, bee. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, it's such a really like wholesome and lovely but also quirky character like i love the fact that she had like her uh, her beetle was all uh, just a little bit like and like destructive and then the same with the little dragon i get she made that amazing little mechanical noise that i yeah i was very impressed by um which was very cool as well it's it's really it's really something when you're like face to face and you hear that noise as well because like, how how are you doing that <laughs> first time first time she used Archimedes in uh real play in real time the little dragon uh, it was and started doing all the noises it was like oh I did not realize that it was a animatronic dragon mm-hmm. and it was like that's really cool yeah that's nice was that something that was part of the 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 class yes because she's um Artificer. I think it was the homunculus servant Uh, infusion on top of being a battlesmith for the beetle. For the beetle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great. Um, Yes, and as you said, we've got uh, Sean there. I I love Rhodey as well. Just (laughs) kind of, I got like um, kind of Rob Brydon in Gavin and Stacey vibes. Um, Oh, yes. That kind of slightly bumbly uncle who who was really kind-hearted and knows what he's doing, but is a bit like, Oh right, what what we're we doing now? Uh, and just kind of going along with everything. Um, and that bloody magic item that he has, the the apparatus, that is yes. that is like one of my favourite items that I would never use. Yeah, it sounds <laughs> terrifying, but amazing. So I I don't know of it too well. Like, can you break it down? Because I don't think we specifically talked through. This is what it is, and this is what it does, and this is how it could go wrong too much in the campaign. Could you? Talk us through that so a little bit. The basics of it is you can choose, you use the apparatus to pick a spell up to a certain level. It might be sixth. I would need to double check. And it can be from any spell list. So you don't need to know the spell and you have to make a arcana check to try and cast a spell. I believe the DC is 10. 
if you fail, then it's like a wild magic surge. You have to roll to see what the result is. And one of the results could be that you fire a fireball on your own head. Luckily, Great. we didn't get that, but that's that's the, that's the gist of it. And the way that Sean used it in both A Murder of Symphony and in the talking is a free action that we did a couple of weeks ago is just... It's just, it's, it's just so much creative freedom with that mm. with that particular item and Rody having it is I've realised that Rody is just pure chaos mm. mm-hmm, and we mm-hmm. didn't get to see it that much in Murder of Symphony but I think if Rody comes back again I think we will see full chaos yeah which is exciting because that's it's not what you you tend to see a lot of from Sean but when he does it he does it so cleverly as well um and yeah, just being able to pick any spell list up to sixth level from any, yeah, any spell from any list. You just gotta, you, you gotta know everything to know what you're doing with it and to use it effectively. And I thought he, uh, he did that really well. Mm. Um, yeah. So, and then we had um, G playing Rion, who I, I still feel like I want to see more about Rion. I think G brought some just such wonderful moments of absolutely this is a a broken and hurt teenage soul Mm. um and we saw little flashes of it um but i still feel like there's so much more to rion that um that we didn't get to see yeah there's a lot each of the characters including all all of them have got so much more for us to see but i feel like rion there's a lot more that the, there's a lot more to sort of delve into because not only is there Rion, there's also like a new faction that's been added to Neverwinter with the with the basically I'm just going to call them street rats for the minute because the actual name that I gave them is completely left my brain. But um, <laughs> you've got that whole section of spy network type esque mm. thing to explore, and then you've got everything to do with Rion and the orphanage, and then obviously Amun Ra and the vampire hunting, mm. Ak with the temple, Zana with the shop, and then Rhodey with the shop and other things as well. So I more think chaos. It's more chaos. <laughs> yeah. Um I, I yeah, I, I thought um G played it really cleverly as well though. Like the um I do want to play a changeling at some point because again the opportunities that that um that gives you for role play and the the idea of like uh this this person that I, I I don't get when I look like myself people don't treat me with any level of respect or they don't think of me as an authority figure so I have certain looks that I go for when uh, when I need to be taken seriously and one of them is just this this beautiful half elf woman that uh, people are like yep yeah I'll do that for you sure um, makes sense <laughs> especially if you're coming from like a, a like a teenage brain. Um, so yeah, I thought that was that was really clever. Um, I also liked uh, li- little uh, little Rion shouts at Sky when when uh, everyone was drowning and they were just on the boat and couldn't really do anything apart from be angry, which is understandable. Very understandable. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and th- and then I was there too, and I had a lovely time. Um... <laughs> there's a lot about Ak. There's a lot. There's, oh, there's, well, yes. We've got Ak's entire background to sort of. Where did that come from? Well, yeah, exactly. I don't know. Specifically, uh, when we were setting up the the characters, uh, the the information that I gave you was like, okay, well, I know this, but before then, who knows? Maybe there was some kind of big, big incident 
as to how they got there, but... Definitely, definitely something that uh, can and will likely be explored. It's, it's the, that's the beauty with the way the Murderous Symphony ended. We could just as easily carry on into another four-parter with the exact same characters doing the exact same thing. But there's also the option to go off and have each of them, obviously time and scheduling permitting, each of them could either go off on their own and do their own things with a whole new group of characters or partner up and go off. It's just so many possibilities of what we can Mm. do with them. Actually, that leads me into um, something that I I think uh, would be great to bring up because I remember um, when we were chatting about... uh, about it you you particularly said like you have previously done uh one-on-one one shots to sort of delve into a character a little bit more and it's something that you'd be keen to do with um with your campaigns that you run for world together um and uh it's, it's no secret by now that um with chris and em stepping back you're gonna be stepping forwards and being one of the sort of uh, people sort of leading this this motley crew um, in terms of uh, helping to, to run things. So is that something that, because we, we have done um, one-on-one uh, DMing before. We did it with um, with Chris uh, for Cleo in Fracture to um, to bring Rebecca's character back into the fold. Uh, and I think actually also uh, in um, uh, her, the, 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 the one in the the other uh, city that we did, that everyone was cross. The words have gone from my head. You're not helping at all. <laughs> no, because <laughs> my brain, if I was to take my headphones off now, you'd see my brain just going <laughs> at my ears. Ancient elven city that's been cut off from society for a very long time. And we Ilterel. went there. No, the other one. Oh, because I don't them. know the other one. <laughs> Pass Nat. Cobalt's help us. I know, yeah. Just put a a sign there going, this is what Nat means. And Nat knows exactly what it is. It's just, it's it's that part of my brain has just gone for a little wonder right now. Um, That one where Ava uh, split off from the rest of the group uh, because she was kidnapped by a dragon. So again, uh, Chris DMing Rebecca, incredibly successful. Rebecca just storming it on her own, not really needing the rest of her party. (laughs) Oh, for that luck. Um, so it's not unprecedented to get back to my actual question that I wanted to ask. So is that something you're thinking of maybe including in the schedule going forward? Like the opportunity to do uh, a few more one-on-one, like focused on one character kind of sessions? Yeah, well, the one thing that that some, some of the audience may have noticed uh, that sort of started, it's been going on for a while anyway, but it's sort of become more prevalent this year is that a lot more characters that have been in previous campaigns have started returning. And we're starting, we would, there was a big discussion about having, uh, like tying up more character storylines and having more regular characters come in that people will know. So I think 100% it would be awesome to get, obviously schedules permitting as many people as we can and as many characters as we can with like the one, one-off one-on-ones exploring their backstories and seeing where they come from i mean can you just can you just imagine doing doing it for um calliope we only saw calliope mm. in, a, in live live fast die free <laughs> is the only time calliope's been played so yeah, calliope yeah. and you know pip and ava and 
other characters, Eltrion, you know, mm. explore. Other ones such as like Tessalin, who mm-hmm. was a relatively newer character in terms of age and stuff, it would be good to do like a one-on-one that's not set in the past, but more in the present, like a day-to-day thing that they do, go, like they go on their own little adventure sort of thing. Mm-hmm. She's got a bit of growing up to do. Yeah, that would be a cool thing to do. And mm. yeah, so I'd definitely love to do more one-on-ones. And you just get to get into the meat of the characters a lot. Like I watched the Chris and Cleo one, and it's just you just, just got that meat of Cleo that mm. you wouldn't necessarily get if you were in... Well, you would get it if you were doing it with a lot more people, but it would be spread out over a lot more sessions. Mm-hmm. But yeah. this is just like you get that and you build that connection with your character as the player and as the audience as well. There's plenty of times where I've watched a one-on-one and I've been like, I really like this character. So, mm. so I think there's the, there's an extra layer of pressure, I think, for the for the DM and for the the player to to keep that um, the momentum going but i think once you get past that actually i mean we we do it with talking as a free action as well really like that's sort of a a a little opportunity to see a little bit more of those characters and how they'd respond in different situations but it's obviously not plot relevant to what they're going through right at that time so um so yeah i mean if uh if that's the kind of thing that you think you would be great to see put it in chat let us know give it give us the feedback and uh and Josh can, can look at it and see what's Throw some happens. character names in there as well, and maybe we can reach out to those players and see if they want to play those yeah, characters yeah, in particular. Yeah, because mm. uh, I think that's the the thing as well. Is um, I mean, scheduling is uh, ske- uh, the, was the the joke is that the real B bag of D anD D is scheduling, um, especially uh, especially as as adults out in the real world. And, not not the youthful university students with all the free time uh it is difficult and people have lives and jobs and all sorts of things going on um so which is kind of part of the 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 things are changing but not changing that you might see coming up is that um there are a few faces that are stepping away um for for life reasons as well um, and some people who will who are still kicking around, but you just might not see them quite as regularly. Um, but uh, but yeah, in terms of getting all that together, so uh, for DMs, I know it's great to come in with an idea of what you want to the stories you want to tell, but you can't always guarantee that those players will be available. So it's tricky. Hmm. It's very tricky. Yeah, but we have uh, for those who don't know. Sean does a lot of the scheduling for us and does Legend. an absolutely fantastic job at it and has really helped with the with me getting into the swing of things and changing not changing things but you know getting used to how things go and working out other as- aspects of what needs doing so having Sean there and providing that extra support along with yourself with with these Friday shows as well, because you schedule all of those. It's been just amazing having the pair of you doing that and being and helping. Thank you to both of you. You're, you're very welcome. It's it, it's just it's a it's a big old job, and I think the we. I mean, I'd, I'd like to think we do a relatively slick job, but it's it, it is a lot for for a, a small team to do. So um, everyone put some appreciation for Sean in the chat because he deserves it and he's great. 
Yes. Um, I want to get back to talking about Murderous Symphony a little bit more. So uh, I guess with that in mind, did you have any, um, we didn't have any returning characters for this, did we? Obviously, Mizana is a, um, oh no, Rodi. Rodi is returning, but from like way, way ages ago. Um, so, and I think Sean has changed him slightly. So were you, um, were you excited then that you got to mold these characters a little bit with the players or were you, uh, were you expecting any returning characters? So I think with the with the uh, fact that it was set in Neverwinter, there was a lot of obviously there's not many people who have played in Neverwinter, uh, especially at this level. Because if I'd done it at a higher level, obviously we could have had like Tessalin and Hera and all that appear instead. But I wanted to do it as sort of a a lower level thing. The intention with that is the story arc is sort of like a three parts story arc of four parties if that makes sense mm -hmm. so if we do get those characters come back uh, they would get up to they would level up to the sort of level that Jakarth, Hera, Tessalian and all that are so then the, mm -hmm. there is a potential for a Avengers style Neverwinter event the Neverwinter possibly. crowd yeah the Neverwinter mm -hmm. endgame or something where mm -hmm. you know they could all come together and obviously if other characters come down from Icewind Dale or come up from Baldur's Gate or Waterdeep or anywhere else, or come over, or more come over from Sakara, then you know there's the potential of building out. So having newer characters, especially Rion and Ak in particular, because of the fact that Ak comes from the Temple of Ogmar, which is a temple that we hadn't explored yet. So it was it was interesting to have that and do the research on. The temple and sort of go over the research that Sean's done on the Temple of Kelimvor and all of that. Mm -hmm. And then with Rion, with, as I said before, implementing the sort of super secret spy network and even Melnor as a handler, handler, mm -hmm. like a quest giver effectively, um, is was uh, something that was really, really fun to do. Um, mm -hmm. There's not much, there wasn't much that I could do with say Amun-Ra because of where Amun-Ra comes from mm -hmm. so Amun-Ra was more focused on like sort of like the big bad of the game that's sort of why I the, it, the reveal being the reveal that this was was um it played helped more with uh giving Amun-Ra purposes to being there sort of thing mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and helped with that and then obviously Zana and Rodi both being part of the shop that being part of the merchant trade thing that the that Neverwinter lacks because there's no merchant guilds or anything in Neverwinter because of Lord Nether Ember being a douchebag. Um so yeah, it's just it was just good to get I'm 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 start I'm starting to waffle now. Uh, the, the whole point is that they're all very like it, it felt like they were all very connected to the city, even with Amun Ra as a as someone who traveled from far away, like he had those connections to the story. It wasn't just, and this person is happening to be here as well. So it's, that was really nice. Um, I'm going to, uh, we've got about half an hour left. I'm going to actually roll the dice and ask some of the official questions. Oh yeah, we roll dice, don't we? Controversial. <laughs> roll that dice. Roll that dice. Okay. Uh, so some of these are obviously designed for everyone to pitch in on. Uh, so we're going to have to do it on our own. Um, 
I don't know if there's an answer to this one. Which player character gets the blessed by the or cursed by the dice award? I mean, my... We didn't really have a particular player that... I think my quill. My quill was cursed. Every time I tried to use the spiritual weapon, it was just so ineffective. (laughs) Either just went through people or tickled them. Just to have a little tickle. Um... But yeah, I don't, I don't know, don't remember there being any like outstanding. Oh my goodness, this person is blessed. Moments. No, there was no, there was no um, Rebecca or Evie sort of degrees of luck. Yeah. yeah. With with the roles, and there was no. Um, I'm trying to think who has really bad roles normally. I mean, I George think. used to be our ben- benchmark. Uh, obviously, he's not played in a little while. Um, my luck tends to swing wildly. So I, I don't think I'm uh, consistently cursed, um, but I felt like a lot of the dice rolls were were quite narrative. Actually, I feel like they supported successes and supported failures where appropriate. We had the the sequence, obviously, a lot of the dream sequences, which were which were incredible, and I want to talk about them a little bit more when we uh, roll another dice before we get to this. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of the saving throws that you got us doing for those felt justified in the the results as well like i'm just gonna hold on a little bit longer and then give it like the i just remember the image of ak um everyone else around them had drowned and they were still just like kicking water and kicking water i think i had like three two or three rolls of like i'm I'm still here i'm still here i know eventually i have succumbed um but it created this quite a cinematic image in my mind um of ak being alone Mm-hmm. Which was one of your fears. Yep, yep, yep. All uh, all seem to come together uh, in uh, quite a quite a specifically like supporting the story way. And again, with like poor Rion um, being the the main one that failed the the wisdom saving throw at the start of their nightmare sequence, and being every, everyone else being free to run, and them being the only one that was frozen on the spot. Um, felt very fitting and, and poignant. So I don't know how how much did you um, did you manipulate the 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 outcomes of the rolls at all with not that? The dice, no? Not the dice rolls. No. The in terms of the locations where the players went to, that was that was mostly random. So Rion's Rion's dream sequence leading into Zana's that was fixed. But and um, I'm in Ra's one being last because that was how I wanted you all to wake up. Um, that was those were the three that were fixed. Everything else was random, so it could we could have started off with Rodi's one. But um, it felt like uh, did, did we not roll the dice for Miss Sana's? We did. I wanted to keep that okay. Sort of Sneak. mystery of you know, be sneaky about it. But in terms of the actual like rolling that you all did during the d- dream sequences, so the wisdom saving throws i had rion set at a higher dc than what i did everybody else's because it was rion's nightmare in particular mm-hmm. but um and i've just completely lost my train of thought there but yeah there was no yeah, fudging sense. of the roles or anything like that for those particular things especially with and like with ak as well the your dc was quite low for mm-hmm. you sort of not going down whereas everybody else is quite high because the whole point of it was to show that 
you're on your own. Mm-hmm. Two of your fears were water and uh, and being alone. So um, I wanted to sort of incorporate those together. And I thought the best way to do that is have everybody else disappear, add a bit of tension in with dice rolls. I could have just as easily just gone everybody else disappeared and you're on your own. But I still wanted everybody else to be involved mm-hmm. with what was going on. So even if it did kind of feel a bit doomed, as it were, Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah. I think it worked really well, and it sort of felt like, yeah, narratively that's where we're heading. But can we hold on a little bit further? Let's see. Yeah, it's cool. I'm gonna roll that dice again. Roll that dice. Uh, okay, number seven. Uh, appropriate for a slightly darker campaign. Any moments of genuine scares? Um, obviously, as a DM, it wasn't surprise for you <laughs> but um i think uh well do any do any come to my view or any moments where you thought that um the the horror or the, the scariness really came into it i mean the dream sequence is really for me i think yeah dream hard. sequences obviously with the like the safety toolkits and and everything that we do in the, the session zero and everything we wanted to make sure that when i asked for so for each of the characters I asked for three fears and the statement was that I put on there was these fears will be used against you mm-hmm. as long as they don't contradict what we've put on the safety toolkit so if there had been one which luckily there wasn't but if there had been one that contradicted what we had on the safety forms I would have gone back to that person and been like can we change this slightly mm-hmm. but when I was writing them out especially with Axe 1 with obviously the drowning i tried to kind of steer it away from you were actually drowning i don't i can't remember if i actually ever said that you were drowning i think i you just sort of sounds like succumbing to the waves to, yeah, yeah. Sort but of there thing. was no visceral descriptions of drowning yeah. which i think we're all thankful for yeah so that was the that and the buried alive were the ones that i was a bit mm. i wanted to sort of skirt around a bit more than others uh obviously with um i think the next one would have been roadie with obviously being inside a chest cavity and the moths and everything so um it was a bit though yeah the dream sequence the episode three was the one that i'd put the most sort of like writing work into in terms of the other Mm -hmm. ones because of everybody's individual things but it was also the one that i was the most mindful of and if there was an issue that came up i was fully sort of prepared for if -hmm. i needed to switching things around i had a couple of different ways so instead of just having the one dream sequence for each person i had like i think it was i'd have to go back and check but i had at least two different versions of Mm -hmm. each each dream sequence that sort of mitigated some of the what could be um contentious points Mm. for people sneaky well it all worked out really well and um i because the rest of the cast couldn't be here i asked them if they had any particular like standout moments that they wanted to highlight and for for g actually it was the um the character's fears sequence and he, he says uh, getting buried alive was grim but it's one of his stars so you know <laughs> grim in a good way <laughs> um, and the same for, for nal he uh he, he really loved the the dream and nightmare sequences as well and uh, yeah i thought they were really really well done well done you <laughs> Oh, it's great work. It's, it's really, it's really weird doing it this way. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> although, although saying that, I don't know if I could sit here and have everybody going. It was really good. Because I'll be like, oh, 
I'll be redder than what I am at the minute. Take the praise, Josh. Take the praise. <laughs> um, actually, I've just rolled a, a six for the next question, which is just the one below, which was... Roll that oh, dice. I, roll that dice. Uh, I did, and it was a six, which is, what was the saddest moment? Oh, saddest moment. I'm not going to include any of the dream sequences in this mm-hmm. because they are all designed to be sad in their own ways Mm -hmm. so i think the saddest moment for me had to have been the had to be act had to be acts denial at the fact that dr whipplestitch had gone and the fact that uh the they believed that the clerics were and the paladin were pulling a prank on them sort of indicates that there's not a good relationship between act and the other clergy of of Ogmar, which again is something that could be explored in a, a in like a one-on-one thing mm-hmm. and so i think that was the saddest and the way that you the way that you played it as well was just <laughs> i don't want to do this anymore <laughs> can, can, can we mean, move on <laughs> that was the one time that i was like can we move on from this i'm sorry <laughs> No, I thought because you t- you gave us the reveal that she'd been taken at the end of the first episode, so I had a little bit of time to think about like how they would respond, and uh, based on how I was playing them and the, the you know the upbringing, how Whipplestitch was sort of their their rock in this weird spinning world where they don't really have a a sense of who they are unless they're with her. Um, I was like, no, maybe it would just be complete denial. Um, and it's a, I think it's a different choice than a lot of my other characters would have uh, would have made. So, um, yeah, I decided I, I wanted to, to play with going that way. It was quite entertaining to see how long it took everyone else to go, what? <laughs> and realise that, that, that I wasn't just being, like, ignoring what you'd said. Uh, like, it wasn't Nat that had misinterpreted. It was a, a specific character choice. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, I- I definitely fall into that boat of being one of the people that took a little while to register it because at the end of I, at the end of the episode where I sort of said Dr. Wigglestitch had been taken and in the beginning of episode two, I hadn't indicated in episode one how long it took me to get from the from the tavern to the theatre. Obviously, yeah. I corrected that in episode two. But um, yeah, it was a bit like, oh, hang on a minute. Oh, no. And then as it carried on, I was like, no, wait, right. Yeah, no, that's just my... DM brain taking its time to catch up with what's actually going on. Mm. Yeah, I, it, it's a difficult thing as well. I think there's there's so many like in compared to sort of if you were on stage doing improv, um, you can be a lot more invested in the scene. But when you're when you're doing D and as well, especially from the DM's perspective, there's so many little plates to keep spinning in the back of your head at the same time. Or if you're um, as a player, like mechanically what can i do what am i doing as well as role play um especially if you've uh taken time if there's space between sessions so life takes over your brain and you have to re-get into that zone sometimes it can be uh, yeah difficult to pick and i have lots of moments where i'll sit back after a session and go oh my character would have done this but nat didn't think about it quick enough kind of thing um but it happens you just got to embrace it 
Yeah, I, I had one of those moments at the end of the third episode when you all came out of the dream sequence and you were in the theatre and then at the beginning of the fourth episode I, rec I thought about some bits I was like, oh, well, but we'd have this there and that there and this there and I thought, and, and then at the beginning of the fourth episode we sort of retconned that a little bit so there's a little bit extra to it sort of thing like the misting things yeah which is the benefit of having the the time in between to to think about it and i think it's something that's like great that you did as a dm was that um you had this very specific idea of how things would go but also it felt like there was enough flexibility that um i guess it's that uh, that idea of if the players of planning for if the players did nothing what would happen Mm. and would give you that um, that leeway to do, okay, well, you can go over there and explore that, but this is going to happen in the meantime, yeah. um, which just gives you that little bit of flex. And, and just the everyone coming to the table and being like, yeah, that's fine, we can retcon that, whatever, even even for a, a streamed game. Um, yeah, just em embracing the, the nuances of playing this way. It was always the plan for at, at the uh, end of episode two where everybody sort of gets taken that was always a plan for them to come after you. Mm -hmm. Obviously, if the group had stayed together and had begun making their way towards um, where the Abale live, then it would have happened sort of on the streets of Neverwinter, like in, there would have been like a sequence where you all would have sort of gone down. But um, then that was all tied to the scars, the spell scars that you were mm. starting to grow on, on your heads. They were tracking you through them and wanted to bring you into the fold and become part of the symphony effectively mm. uh, for reasons for reasons for reasons that uh, i won't say yet because there's still more to tell there's more there is more yes there is uh so but, but if we'd have gone to um Phaetonian street to where the abel were and we'd have all passed out in the middle of the street how would it have worked because we happen to be in quite private secluded locations right you had Rodi and Mizana in the shop where there was no one else because um because Jakarta had already left and the assistant wasn't there either no they'd gone upstairs right. yeah they'd gone upstairs and then the, the the rest of us were in the sewer system underground so there were no other people around so that makes sense for our bodies being kidnapped as well but if we'd have been out in the middle of the street what would have happened I had it down that you would have been well not, ne not necessarily would have been, obviously, because obviously player choice and all of that, but there would have been elements of, like, Mask and Shadows and a few of the other agents would have appeared in, like, dark alleyways and all that sort of thing. And mm -hmm. there was a potential for a other fight to break out in the streets that would have drawn you away mm -hmm. from what was going on. Uh, right. And there was also the fact that there was a lot more people, or there was or is, a lot more people underneath Mordecai's sort of influence than what you might think. So mm -hmm. if a fight had broken out in the street and I'll say this now because it's not going to happen obviously because it's finished. But if a fight had broken out in the street and all of the characters had been knocked out, there are a lot more guards that were under Mordecai's influence. So when you would have been carted off to jail, you would have been taken down into the theatre instead. Right. Gotcha. Interesting. Interesting. Mm. All right, I'm going to roll that dice and one more time. Okie dokie, roll that dice. Roll the dice. Yeah. Um, okay, I feel like we've already answered this one, so this might be a quick thing. Uh, which player character gets the cleverest use of the spell or ability award? 
roadie uh, with the yeah. uh, apparatus, hundred yeah. percent. Exactly, exactly. I'm gonna roll it again. Roll that dice. Roll that dice. Uh, okay, we're back to um, the specific moments. What was the funniest moment? Which again is in this campaign. I, I remember laughing quite a bit, but more out of character. <laughs> I'm going to apologise to you for this, but I think the funniest moment was the quill. <laughs> Never hitting. Obviously, and Zana's yeah. butt. Yeah. Zana's beetle as well. Yeah, that's entirely fair. Stupid quilly. One day, one day you'll be useful. Actually, I feel like I did get one or two hits, but they were never particularly strong. <laughs> yeah. It was, yeah. I think it was, I think I described it as when you missed, the quill just went right through. And then when you did hit, because unfortunately the damage wasn't too high, it was a light tickle. Mm-hmm. I think. Just a little yeah, waft. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> All right. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna cheat by um, specifically rolling the dice onto a one um, because <laughs> we can do that. I, shh, no, I didn't. I didn't say that. I didn't say that. Shush. You didn't see anything. Um, okay, so one of G's questions, uh, well, G's only question was um, one of one of the things that he really liked was the um, the vibe of the magic that the villains were using with the. The um, the bracelets uh, injecting bits of uh, things into people, and the the magic lighting up the heads with the the cracks and the scars, um, and I mean the imagery around all of that was very cool, um, and obviously meant that we had something to track within ourselves when we also got infected. Um, mm. Was that inspired by anything particular? Uh, and then the wider question is, were there any stories or elements from other books, films, plays, games, etc., that inspired you writing this campaign? So, I think we touched on the inspiration thing at the beginning, In where general, I said about yeah. prior work and that person. Oh, yeah, sort of that person. I can, can't say it. Uh, that was a very uh, heavy influence on that. The In terms of like the way that the magic was done and all of that, like the spells cast and everything, that, was, that all came through doing research on historical events that have happened in Neverwinter. So I knew right. what I want I knew what I wanted to do. Like like the gist of what I wanted to do, but the details of it came when I was doing that research. I was like, oh what's this what's this spell plague? Because mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I'm not too down, as the kids say, on uh <laughs> as the kids do say. As, as the kids do say, I'm not too down on the uh law of the Forgotten Realms. So when I was I didn't know what the spell plague was, so I did a little bit of research into the spell plague, which led me into doing some research into some things that I won't say at the minute. But that's where the I need, I need to hit the Wikipedia page, clearly. <laughs> but that's where the um so the end of the very end where we did our Marvel style end of credit scene, we had that Mordecai met with a particular tentacly creature, which is mm. not a mind player. Um, mm. It is something else that is tentacly, and somebody guessed correctly uh, it was an Aboleth of some sort, so it's something to do with Aboleths. But I, I, I transgress. The, so the spell scars and everything were, it's all connected into a wider story and the the um bloat it will play a big part 
going forward with this particular story arc as well. So the bloat isn't gone. Even though I said it's receding, it's not gone. Oh, no. <laughs> Bloody bloat again. Bloody bloat. So, yes, there was a thing that would have happened if any of those people that you thought had had a chance to inject themselves with said mm. uh, vials that were attached to their arm wrists. Luckily, it didn't get to that because you took them down a bit you didn't you took them down quickly but they you basically took them down before they got the chance to actually do it so mm. what they needed what they were going to do with the vials so um which would have been a whole other ball game if if that had gone off so yes yeah i remember there was quite a lot of moments in that final uh, fight that were a little bit hairy yes as as we'd seen in um so the I think, I'm just going to say now, I'm not sure if I did announce it, it did say in, during the series, but one of the vials did have bloat in it. That was what was in one, Great. that's what the, the greenishy type vial in, and I took that, so obviously we're talking to Sean, that was sort of like a conversation that we'd had from what happened uh, in at Death's Door with the cultists, the Kenanvor uh, traitors, and all of that, you know, they were injecting themselves with bits of bloat and turning into aberrations and all that mm. sort of stuff. That was inspired by that, and that's what would have happened if they'd injected that. The other side of it, the, the bluer liquid, was what was causing them to... That's basically what caused the whole murder to happen. Mm-hmm. Sort of like a uncontrolled uncontrollable rage that uh, the son of the two parents that got killed that got murdered uh, sort of flew mm-hmm. into and I think the dwarf might have had that happen to him because he was taking less damage than what the others were taking at the time mm-hmm. but yeah Classic the effects virus. of the magic that was a weak point for them as soon as Zana I think did shock and grasp on the head of one of them and sort of caused it to mm-hmm. yeah do you think at any point were we in danger of actually uh, being taken over and flying into a rage ourselves? Were you prepared for that as a, an option? If Unless you had one of the vials on you, uh, that wouldn't have happened. But there was a potential for some light PvP. If the, if the spell scar had grown big enough, mm-hmm. uh, there might have been an incident where there was a particular incident where uh, I think it was... Rion was quite close to. I didn't ask for the for the role at the time, but Rion was quite close to having to roll when they said, "I'm going to attack." It was a case of you're stood next to an ally, roll to see which one you attack. Mm-hmm. But I, they were one wisdom save away from that. So, luckily, all, all saved. Yeah, I think yeah. out of actually no, I don't know. If you were in a fight, would you rather? have Rion or Amun turn against you? Neither. <laughs> I know, it's, it's not a choice you want to be making. <laughs> I'd rather have Miss Zana turn against me. Actually, no, I wouldn't because of the bug and the dragon. <laughs> yeah. None of them. No. I mean, I could be alright because as previously established, the, the main damage they do to you is a quill flapping in your face. Ak was there for other reasons. I really like playing clerics. Anyway, that's beside the <laughs> besides the point. Um, 
Let's see. I'm, I'm going to cheat again. I'm just going to go down the list of questions. Um, were Actually, this is uh, related to what we just spoke about, actually. Were there any moments where the players took things in a completely different direction to what you were expecting? The discussions in the second episode about going to other places mm-hmm. was unexpected. Like, So I had, if you were to decide to go not um sorry let me rephrase that the decision to split the party is what Mm -hmm. had me like so i had a scene for if you all decided to go to the shop and it would have played out as it did and i had a scene for if you all decided to go down into the basement and through the tunnel networks and the same if you decided to go street level not necessarily had it down that you decide to go to phaetonian street but if you decided to say go back to the theater or something or mm. you know you're traveling or back to the tavern or back to what back to the temple of ogma you know so i had those three scenarios splitting the party and doing two of them was not what i expected so that was i was like ah okay uh, oh hmm. yeah that's entirely fair okay we're we're coming towards the, the end of this hour of chatting about a murderous symphony now. So I wanted to, to go through um, just a couple of other things that we'd not mentioned. Um, let's see, the, uh, yeah, we talked about the, uh, so we talked about the blue magic, but actually just how creepy it was in the first episode. Uh, it was creepy, but then also um, you had that scene with them investigating, like what is going on with the staff at the theater. Uh, I think that was, uh, again, now I'll mention it, it's one of Sean's favourite moments was us um, peeling back all the layers and discovering, like, the um, all the theatre staff just doing exactly what you say at exactly the same time was uh, was wonderfully creepy. Um, was there... Uh, I mean, I, I suppose you, you expected that to happen, but uh, that must have been fun to, to play as a DM, watching our reactions. I didn't expect that to happen. Oh, did you not? No, the... the... <laughs> It, they were all of them were composed anyway mm. so they would have been more suggestive to do things uh, but because of Armin because of Armin Ra's being a dampier and all that and because at the time I thought it was funny for some reason it like as a, as a comedy element have them all do the same thing so it's like trying to make things a bit more. So I was, I was actually trying to make it a bit more lighthearted than creepy. <laughs> I think it was. Way. I don't. I know. I don't think it was like super. Like oh no, but it was. It was. It was fun. Creepy. Like everyone can picture what that's like in their mind. And anyone who's seen the horror film can picture exactly what that's like. And it is creepy, but it is also entertaining. So I had a I had a list of people that were or are were are maybe still composed by Ooh. Mordecai uh-huh. and. It was just that particular element with them. So if you would try doing that with, say, the guards, it wouldn't have gone that way. It was just more of a, I was trying to connect them all together because they were, and then my justification for that at the end was, that uh, I thought to myself and never said to anybody, was that the staff members were closer to the symphony mm-hmm. than where the guard, and the symphony was the ultimate thing that was sort of amplifying Mordecai's charm ability so that was my justification for them being a bit more in like a hive mm. mind type thing 
Yeah, yeah. Cool. Well, that's pretty much us done. I have one final question I wanted to ask you. As uh, uh, what's what's coming next? What's happening now? What in terms of in terms of murder symphony or in terms of roll together in general? Well, everything, both. Both. Well, I think you kind of answered the first one. Do it. I did. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. There will be more murderous sympathy or stuff based in that sort of storyline coming. Not probably for a little while yet, but at, at the minute, in terms of roll together, everything is staying as it is. Um, I announced on Patreon at the beginning of the month that with Seekers of Elturel buried, ending Gloom Falls in on Baldur's Gate will be starting up. In, after that, twelve parter, so yes. good. Yes, I'm, I'm currently going through and reapplying, like editing, bringing the editing up to date sort of thing for stream. And um, it's the first time I'm actually getting to watch it fully. I've heard right. any sort of cuts of it. So have a lovely uh, time. Yes, it's it's um, it's definitely something. I tell you that now. It uh, might be something I, I might explore after uh, mm. Murderous Symphony arc is finished. Uh, in terms of the Monday streams, Monday streams will be sticking with uh, the Roll Together Universe or Roll, Roll Together's version of Faerun. Uh, we have, I can say now, that we have a game called A Scaling Effect that will be starting on the 18th, which is run by the ever-wonderful Ali. Yes. Has, a few, has quite a few returning characters in it, actually. Uh, there will be... Uh, more of an announcement probably on Twitter as to who's actually, or whatever it's called now, X, and the other socials, X, and the other socials and everything. Um, and then after that, for the rest of this current season, we'll have, Tom's got something brewing that we're recording at the moment, both myself and Matt are in that, and it is just, as you would expect with Tom, absolute chaos, which is amazing. Uh, and then we've got something we're going, I'll say now, we are venturing away from Faerun mm. in the third adventure, and we are actually going to uh, explore a little bit of Sakara with a campaign that Nile is DMing, yes. which again has me in it. So if you're sick of seeing my face, I apologize. But as we <laughs> said earlier with scheduling and everything, there's um, you'll see that there's four players uh, consistently for the moment and a DM. So you know, things will change as availability becomes available, you know, the time of the year and all of that sort of stuff. But, you know, adults got all adult and that sucks mm-hmm. for a lot of people. But, but yes. more great stories told, told by some wonderful people. And uh, yeah, excited to see where they go. And thank you so much, Josh. That was, that was a, a lovely chat. Even though we couldn't have everyone here with us. They're, they're here in our hearts and our minds and they were all fabulous. Um, thank you everyone else for joining us for Talk Together. You'll find us here every Friday from 6 till 7pm at BST. We're still in BST at the moment. Uh, Mondays and Tuesdays 6 till 9pm BST. We stream our D&D games as Josh described the, the, the current lineup. All of this will be on twitch.tv forward slash Roll Together RPG. VODs are available immediately after the stream here at Twitch and also here on YouTube and uh, not long after you should be able to hear us here on the podcast hello podcast listeners um, hello there find us on the socials look for all together rpg thank you so much to our d20 club on patreon you're all marvelous wonderful people uh thank you to all of our sponsors and supporters and uh yeah 
Stay classy at that table, people.